This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Okay, Leafs, one nothing losers to the Los Angeles Kings. That means they will finish with a maximum of three out of six points on their California road trip. It was a terrible game. It happened late at night. We will never get those hours back, but we will talk about it and I guess burn another, let's call it a half hour this time. Yeah. I'm going to keep us really... Uh, I'm gonna keep us close to the clock. Tonight. We need you militant on on the time yeah. management tonight. We yeah. need you. We need you, Andy Reid from this year, not Andy Reid from any other year. I mean, it's like a Timothy Liljegren usage night. Yes. For us. So it's gonna be a three minute podcast. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Uh, he might have got ten tonight. Oh, good for him. Liljegren total road trip time over under compared to this podcast will be somewhat similar. You think so? Yeah. You think you think this podcast will be like twenty five minutes? Taking the under though. Oh, I, no, that's, no, I'm taking the over. I, I might take the under. Okay, let's get into it. Your your takeaway from the, I guess, disappointing and boring and ultimately, I mean, it's not like gut-wrenching or anything, but it's it's another blow to the... Uh, Solar plexus. Yeah. Uh, this is the most boring goaltending battle of all time. Like, the, like both goalies were on one tonight. It was indeed a, a goaltending battle. And yet, I couldn't stay... Like, I, I was struggling to, to keep my eyes the open. The problem was it only really revved up at the end. Like there yes. was, they were trading saves sort of in the final bit. Overtime was very exciting, and the shootout featured some decent stops as well. Yeah, but it was the shootout was probably the best display. Anderson stood on his head at the end of overtime too, but it was just like during the second period, it was just a slog. Like like uh, up in the office upstairs, we had the Raptors game going on behind, and it took every single bit of willpower I had to not just turn around and become a Raptors boy instead of a Leafs boy. I, don't, I mean, I don't blame you. I yeah. saw Terry Davis with a huge dunk, and I was like, Woo! you know, that was that was definitely the most of all the like major moments that happened in the Leaf game. That one far far exceeded anything that happened in the <laughs> hockey game. So I you're gonna say uh, that was the biggest moment of the Leafs game. Was it was. It was Davis. Dunked. It was the biggest moment of the Leafs viewing experience for me. It was a dunk in a different sport that involved a Toronto team. Exactly. Anyway, my takeaway is that there just has to be more than a handful of players that stand out for the Leafs. Mm-hmm from one game to the next. Like we mentioned Freddie Anderson, William Nylander was on one tonight as well to use your verbiage, uh, verbiage. I wonder uh, what the motivations behind William Nylander's good performance. Someone, someone might've kicked him in the ass. It might've been himself or no one kicked him in the ass. But the, the point is that it looked like he was trying to prove a point because he didn't take a single moment off in this game. Like he was just on it all the time. He showed the best of William Nylander, the complete package throughout. And it was really fun to watch. But unfortunately, 
the standard that all these guys can reach or the maximum threshold, none of them, none beyond Nylander and Freddie Anderson, none of them even approached it. Like, who else had a good game for them tonight? Uh, it's really hard to pick out a man. I, I don't know. Like, Tavares was good early, and I think maybe that was just osmosis from Nylander because he yeah. was he was so uh, intent on being a factor in this game. Hyman was a god in OT. Hyman was a god in OT, but even then, I don't think he was good until, like, the last portion of the game, really. Yeah, Matthews and Marner fine. did not have a good game. I cannot pick anyone else from the bottom six other than Clifford, who was just physical. But I he was, noticed even, even him was get he was getting hit more than he was dishing out. Yeah, like it was an even 50-50 split in terms of physicality that he was involved in. No one on the defense core stood out. It was a it was a lot of Freddie, a lot of Willie, and nothing really else. Like the only moments I can remember in this game of specific players are bad moments. It's when Travis Dermott was literally like sunned to the ground by I think it was Amadio. I think I, I don't know. It could be some. It could be anybody. But Travis Dermott was like get off me kind of thing uh, when he shoved to the ground. That's what I can. His only memorable play I can remember from him. Tyson Berry did absolutely nothing other than a couple point shots as usual. Uh, Timothy Lilligren looked way out of his depth. I mean, this is a player who, should, like, we, we talk about his ice timing down, but right now it's just confound. Like, I tweeted this out tonight saying, like, why is he up? Like, they don't want to use him. They don't need to use him. So why not keep, like, why keep him up here? Like, why, like, the Marlies suck right now. Like, send him down. Let him play 30 minutes. Let's see if he can anchor this. And why is Callie Rosen coming out of the lineup? Exactly. This like, was, I don't get it. I'm not going to go into this again, but this was the perfect 11-7 opportunity. Here. Oh. Because if you're if Callie Rosen, like he didn't deserve to come out based on how he's been playing, but you wanted to get Sandine back in. But then you basically played with five, not, not basically played with five defensemen, but you really relied on three. Two of them were had, had reduced minutes in Marincin and Sandine, and then Lilligan didn't play what would be a normal shift for most defensemen. Again. Yeah. So you're getting to the point where you're just making these concessions with your lineup every time because you don't have the bodies. You don't have six guys that you can trust, but you do have one guy that you trust. He didn't decided not to play based on solely on handedness, I guess. Uh, yeah, but they that's never stopped them before, though. Uh, stopped them a little bit. No, but I like mean, they've this, scratched the, the Leafs traditionally have always been like so married to it, but that was a different regime. They've but always, again, they've they have scratched moved, Lilligren before. Though. They have moved guys around, but they, it was to have... Uh, I guess, yeah, it would have been because there's so many lefties now. There's yeah, five but, lefties, but they just switched Dermot to the right. Like, yeah, I, I mean, but the problem is he's paying, playing too high in the lineup for them to, I guess, yeah, do like, that, I guess. But it is ridiculous. Like it, like, I, but it just ref, it's just a reflection or just illustrates the bind that they're in from a yeah. defensive standpoint. Like they, they need to get these guys back. They are coming back soon. At least one of Morgan Riley or Cody Cece we think will be a, around next week. Yeah. They say obviously both. one of them is going to have a bigger deal or a bigger impact than the other. Uh, but they really need to find a way to get at least guys that Sheldon Keefe can trust out there. Because other than that, like you're just in trouble if you're, if you're making so many concessions back there. It is uh, it, it's kind of a testament to what the blue lines look like in this state, especially after losing Jake Muzzin that I'm, almost like it, it'll be nice for Cody Cece to come back it'll be nice to have a body there and even though he's like one of the what four worst bodies statistically there like at least this guy can log 20 minutes a night at least it's putting like Marinson's role into the better slot which would be the sixth defenseman so that you can play yeah the, the normal lefties and get back to something that just works a little bit more efficiently yeah you're hoping that the 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 
decrease in quality of CC coming back will be sort of like leveled out by how him coming back in the lineup puts everyone back in their own spots. Yeah. Like you're hoping that the value of the la- I guess lack of value that he brings in the lineup will be evened out by the fact that everyone will now have more value playing where they're more comfortable. We will never know if they do come back at the same time if that is in fact a big deal because it's more uh, more likely than not we're going to have two guys being removed from the lineup because Morgan Riley's probably I don't know if he's ahead of CC or or where they are there. They said but both it looks of them. like we're going to get both of them. Yeah. So and that doesn't uh, stop us from widely speculating. We're on gonna it. we're gonna be able to talk about this defense core one more time because the the Leafs do play tomorrow night in Anaheim or tonight in Anaheim based on when you're going <laughs> to watch this. We've already screwed that up, or I have at least. Um, but I wonder if they go back to Rosen just because, again, it just didn't seem like it worked. And why not try uh, Sandine or Dermot on the right side just to try and get at least the best six guys out there? Yeah, it just makes the most sense right now. Like, it, you've you've gotten one out of a possible four points against two of the worst teams in the league on this California road trip. You have, like, you've been goalied two games in a row by, again, two of the worst goaltenders in the NHL, Martin Jones and uh, Jonathan Quick. Like, just try something. They Like, it seemed nice that they put Kerfoot back at 3C. They made some of the moves. They had, like, a third line that wasn't a fourth line. That's great. But at the same time, just, like, do something. You know? Oh, I understand. Do you? Uh, yeah, I'm, let's, let's, let's kind of give the entire picture on the results. Yes. So they pick up one point. Florida also lost in overtime yeah. to the Boston Bruins. So uh, they didn't lose ground tonight. I guess when you look at the quality of competition, it's still a disappointing night because Very disappointing Florida night. played the best team in the league and the Leafs played maybe the worst team in the Western Conference or one of the worst teams in the league at least. Uh, and it was a wash. So it was probably a missed opportunity from that perspective. Um, but it's not a nightmare scenario yet. Uh, puts even more pressure on the game against yep. Anaheim because if we're if we're taking one point out of California, that is pretty awful. You can't do that. It's it's awful. You it just would can't. it would be very very disappointing for this team. And there's some tough matchups to come next week and in the coming month. Um, but to that end, they didn't lose any ground. Now, what's really stuck out again, losing in a shootout, leaves now down to one in five on the season. There's a ton of things that don't make sense about the Leafs this year. I mean, we go through it. We, we're, every night. We're pretty much confused every night we talk about the Leafs. Oh, we never know what's happening. It's just complete confusion all the time. This podcast is us sifting through the chaos. So why doesn't this work? I mean, why don't, why doesn't, I mean, this is the, the ultimate small sample. It is six shootouts they've been in, which is three shots a piece. You know, we're talking about what, what is that math there? Three times six, 18, 18. shots. Why are 18 yeah. shots either way? Uh, I mean, that's that's extremely small. We shouldn't take all these huge... We shouldn't make you know t- anything definitive about it. But the fact of the matter is they've left five points on the table uh, with six out there in these glorified uh, skill showcases. But they have so much skill. They have a pretty quality goaltender. Why don't... Why aren't they able to pick up these extra points? Like you get... The, the shootout record is not an excuse like look at boston shootout record i think they've i think they've left like 14 points on the table in shootouts i think at a point they had like more they had more they had more shootout and overtime losses than yeah they had more losses, petty losses than they had which actual is losses. amazing i mean that's that's says as much about their season as anything yeah. like they go to they i mean their record could be that much better better but they're going when they're losing they're doing it in overtime yeah like like they're pushing teams to the brink it's pretty remarkable it's 
like the shootout seemed like a curse in this game. It was like, great, we have to have more of this game. We have to live in this moment for longer. But like again, it's not an excuse. Like Boston is left, like I think it's 14 points on the table. Like the Leafs have left 10, you said, right? Because of the five losses. Like it's... Well, they got one point in each, so only five points. Oh, yes. That's uh, So they didn't lose 14, leave 14 points. They left seven points because that's how math works. And mm-hmm. it is two in the morning right now. So my brain's not working. Valid excuse. Yes. Uh, that will be the excuse I hide behind for the entirety of this California road trip. Just a heads up. <laughs> um, no, but it's just like it, it, there's no excuse. And you can't like you just this. This is proof that the shootout just doesn't work. Like the shootout just makes no sense. Frederick Anderson got a shutout and his team lost. Like that that sentence doesn't make sense. How are you supposed to explain this to a casual fan? Like, great, oh, Freddie, but he, Freddie got a shutout. He was great. Yeah, so the Leafs won? No, no. Oh. Well, you, you probably don't start with, hey, you got a shutout. I mean, actually, it makes total sense well, to the casual if, fan because you know, like, you can understand a shootout. I, I'm sure most, you know, anyone you who has that. any, like, knowledge of sports can understand what happening when one guy shoots the next guy shoots and you know no, so on it, and just, so forth like imagine explaining that to a casual fan just being like oh man the leafs lost oh that's too bad i guess their goaltender didn't play very well oh no he didn't let in a single goal oh he was he was literally perfect but they still lost oh oh like <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly like it doesn't make sense um it, it is weird that what's funny is like when the leafs were the worst in in uh, in i guess like the last 10 years during the nonus era they were shootout gods. They had Tyler Bozak scoring mm-hmm. every opportunity he had. Kessel was like the one weak link on that, but they had they like they were gods in the shootout because they would get corsied like crazy in a game, push it to a shootout, and then you know pull a point out of it with Tyler Bozak doing the same move every time. And now, now the Leafs have the best roster they've ever had, and they can't they cannot on a in a one on one battle with the goaltender put a puck uh, past them. So if you get to shootout, that means you've been to overtime. Yes. And the Leafs have been to many overtimes this year. They've actually done well in overtime. When the game ends in overtime, mm-hmm. more often than not, they are winning. Um, but what got them to the shootout tonight was in part due to the fact that they missed their opportunity in overtime. John Tavares took a penalty. They yep. spent two minutes killing off said penalty. Uh, and then they played a little extra at four on four, which is makes it a little bit more difficult to score. The percentages of the game ending when it's four on four dives compared to three on three. So there was a bit of a wasted opportunity there. I've been a little annoyed by the fact that Sheldon Keefe is so hell bent on starting John Tavares in every overtime when Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are probably the guys who are most likely to score you a goal. I, I we we would have to check it, but I believe John Tavares took a penalty in overtime earlier in the year. He has. I might I, be I, wrong on I, that, I remember but I, this. I feel like that happened. So this is the second time now, and it really just completely takes away the flow of overtime because obviously you're spending most of it killing a penalty and then you get into this four on four scenario and you just don't get Austin Matthews on the ice and he's the guy who's probably got the best chance to put it in so I mean I don't know if we're gonna you know get too deep into that subject but I just wonder why it's always him first over the boards and not Matthews it just goes to show that even the most open-minded experimental you know forward-thinking coach still has his weird sticking points like it's it, everyone was we all thought that you know when Babcock's fired Sheldon he's going to come in here and he's going to be crazy he's going to do all these different things he's going to do everything you've ever wanted and yet like he and he is he's a very experimental coach he's very open-minded he very much wants to try different things and you know be kind of a little unorthodox 11-7 is one thing pulling like you know changing up the goaltending start stuff like that 
And yet he still has these certain points in the game or certain points in his lineup that he just like will will always revert back to. And that's John Tavares starting in overtime. That's Alexander Kerfoot on the wing. That's, you know, sir, like it just I, I don't get it. Now, if he was just, you know, reacting to the game, it, it would make sense to go with those two. William Nylander was we mentioned about the top. He was the most dangerous player on the ice for the Leafs, probably on the ice entirely but not on his own volition though and John Tavares again not on his own not his own volition not at all uh and John Tavares was pretty good in the game as well so I I think there would have been merit if you just you know went by merit uh but this is just a pattern I mean he does it all the time and it's twice now at least that Austin Matthews has been robbed of a chance to end a game in overtime because it just gets completely thrown out of whack but what we did see because John Tavares took that penalty was the best of Zach Hyman the as you put it, Sidney Crosby. The Sidney Crosby of three, of on, three four. on four. Yeah, I I did tweet that, and CJ Chris Johnson of Sportsnet tweeted it after, but to much greater effect. Ah, it's much more aplomb. So we'll have to live with that. But uh, it's rare that a four-checking shift while penalty killing in a scenario in which it's supposed to be high drama and and just exhilarating excitement is instead the highlight of the game. But for me, that was probably the highlight of the game. Yeah, it was. He was phenomenal on that kill. Like, he was a one-man wrecking crew. No one could... He was... The puck... There's certain moments in the game where you just kind of expect the puck to go back up the ice. Like, you think the plays are dead. And, like, the camera angle even starts to move up. And then it's just, no, Zach Hyman's got the puck. How? We don't know. But he's got it. Like, it was... That was at least... That was, like, a little bone given to us. It's like, we you've been here for a while. You, you've watched this whole game. We're just going to let Zach Hyman in his 300th career game just just give you something. The best part of that is that I uttered the Sidney Crosby of three on four before he was done wreaking havoc. Yeah. Because we're on different streams. So You're like, I'm watching and I'm like, and I, it, I just, he just made the first play in the one corner. I'm like, wow, like Sidney Crosby of three on four. And then he's like, you, and then you said, you haven't even seen the play yet. <laughs> and he goes on and steals it from Anze Kopitar and just continues uh, his tormenting ways. Um, I was like, just wait. You're not done yet. <laughs> nope, they're not done yet. It gets better. Uh, it didn't get better for the goaltenders. They were perfect. So let's get into their uh, performances, starting with Anderson. The decision to start Anderson this one game on the road trip, I guess we can just handle him uh, entirely and then how the Leafs have fared against the two goaltenders in California mm-hmm. after that. Sounds good. I like that. Go ahead. What are your uh, thoughts on Anderson tonight? Well, it was it was very interesting. Like we talked about this on you know uh, Tuesday's podcast. How it was, or I guess Wednesday, because it was in the morning. Again, time is a construct. Mm. Um, did it again. We need a jar. We need a time jar. I don't, want, I don't want to lose money. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not giving money to this team right now. Uh, no, it was it, it was an odd, unorthodox sort of like decision. It made sense to start the way they did if you took teams out of it. Like it made sense to start Anderson tonight and then Campbell tomorrow, like just to kind of space out between the backups and not play your backup two games in a row and all that kind of stuff but it did kind of say something about Sheldon Keefe I think it wasn't necessarily a message but it was something like you know you guys let me, let me put it this way it's a very long way of me saying this but I feel like if the team was performing better Campbell would have started tonight Anderson would have started tomorrow night I think that, oh yeah yeah I think that yeah. if the team if if like this was a if they had it quote-unquote earned it I guess like the, the two goalies would have gotten the chance to face their former teams, but they're like, no, we're playing the results. You don't get that moment. Like you, you're not, you don't get your Nick Shore moment. I think it said something about 
where they think Anderson's game is because yeah. they they took this road trip as an opportunity to put Anderson in the best position possible like over you know a seven to nine day stretch like he's going to get some rest we're going to get some good practice time in he's also going to get a start under ideal conditions one of three games he's going to play you know in a situation where he's got a rested team in front of him and everything should be aligned for him to have a great game and it worked. He he was fantastic in this game. He was everything that he could possibly be, aside from the shootout where he was beaten pretty cleanly, even when he made saves. But it's the shootout. He, he like only it... made a save because Michael Amadio just got real casual, <laughs> oh, which was yeah. pretty hilarious. But uh, it just, I think they, I mean, we've been talking about how they need to get Freddie Anderson right. I think they really tried to get Freddie Anderson right with what they've done, starting Campbell, giving Campbell two of three starts, and giving Anderson this game in particular where it would make sense, at least if you were comfortable in the playoffs or you were into, you know, those uh, those moments, those special moments you've been trying to give players. Uh, this would obviously have been one for Jack Campbell, but it's too important to be doing that. They put their number one in the best position to succeed because I think they need and recognize that they need to do that. And hopefully... It's this continues to be a launch point on Anderson getting right, getting his game, get his confidence together, and being ready for the stretch run. Yeah, this was this was the best possible scenario, and this was also kind of like a last ditch, like you know, get yourself right kind of moment. Like if Anderson didn't perform in tonight's game, like where do you, what do you do? Where when will he perform? Like this was the L.A. Kings, uh, like after so much rest. To your point on the last ditch, this was the last ditch of like the friendly way of doing it. oh yeah this because was if like, it didn't work like if he, if he wasn't right it would just be like okay we're throwing you out there until you get it right yeah this because was the there's last... no more time to waste it would just be like boom 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 and we're gonna grind it out of you until you feel good this mm-hmm. was more of it the last chance to give him a little bit of time little breathing room put him in ideal conditions and 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 hopefully it it would work and it did seem to work yeah this, this was this was the last sort of like notch on the leash that he's earned yeah. Like this is the la- yeah like you said the friendly way the last sort of being like we trust you so this is going to be a chance where you go out you show us who you are freddie you're a superstar you're a superstar go out and do it and if he had if he had laid an egg against la after all this rest they would have been like all right like Fun, you know, fun leafs are over. We're, fun, yeah, we're running out of ways to sort of throw you a bone here. Yeah, like we're we're either you either like get it together against like tough opponents that are coming up, or else like Jack is now the number one. So like Ooh. figure it out. <laughs> Maybe not quite. Well, I mean, if he if he continues to play bad, you gotta uh, yeah, you gotta I, think about it. I just it. think but it he was played it was really well. Tonight. It was getting to the point where you just can't. Do, there's no more spots in the schedule to do that. Like he's just gonna have to play now. Right? Even even if it's like a bad team coming up, like it doesn't matter. Like you have to perform well, and he did. Like to his credit, he performed fantastic tonight. He couldn't have been better, other than in regulation and when actual hockey was being played tonight. He couldn't have been better. Also, two of the worst goalies in the league couldn't have been better against the Maple Leafs over the past three nights. Oh yeah, Jonathan that's Quick great. and Martin Jones. Now they aren't Jimmy Howard bad. Uh, they're playing in front of bad teams. Uh, but the stats, the numbers are definitely not there for these two guys who have seen better days, both the better days coming in Stanley Cup runs uh, in the previous uh, decade here. Um, but they came up with great performances. Jonathan Quick, in particular, was outstanding against the Leafs tonight. Now, it wasn't a complete onslaught. Uh, the Leafs weren't, while they were played much better, they weren't all that threatening at the same time, which doesn't make sense because a good team, if a team with so much talent like they have is playing well, they should be threatening. 
I mean, that should be the that should be the easy thing. If they're playing well, they're they're going to be a, a team that's going to be scoring goals. Uh, but they didn't seem to be that, even though they played a little better tonight. That shouldn't diminish the fact that Jonathan Quick played an outstanding game for LA. It is like it's just sort of they got goalied again, which kind of sucks considering the circumstances here. But they can't really make excuses for it. Like goaltending is voodoo, and you can't quantify it and it's so random and Andrew Hammond can go on a 30 game win streak to drag the Senators into the playoffs one year and then never be heard from again but at the same time like you're like it comes back to this you're paying this team 13 million dollars over the salary cap you should be expected to go out and not even just light up but like just beat the two worst goalies in the league you've had rest you are coming off some real upward trajectory you seemed like you had gotten over that hump in your season. It was really trying, and you kind of figured it out. And you had two kind of softball opponents ready to go on the schedule. You had two of the worst teams in the league who had just sold off all their assets at the deadline, who had nothing to play for, and who have the two worst. I know they're playing in front of bad teams, but like statistically, Jones and Quick are two of the worst goalies in the league this year. You had the opportunity to go out and beat them. And you got one out of four points. Like that, that is, that is not like we're right back where we started, where this team has opportunities to pull away from all the teams that are nipping at their heels to really cement themselves. Like, think about where they'd be in the playoff picture right now with four points. Like, it would just be so much better. Oh, you can't do that, though. I know you can't. Well, to be <laughs> fair, if the Leafs had won all the games that they had yeah. lost this year, they'd be in a comf- they'd be comfortably in first and it would be great. The greatest tweet of all time this week i could do a whole podcast on that tweet i know i didn't want you to fall down that same trap there for a second i was a little worried oh no i was i was you were were alluding to i was very conscious there no but it's like i just this team again like it's sifting through the confusion on this podcast like you they they go out and they beat tough opponents in big in big moments and then you have this softball schedule just lobbed up there for you ready to go you're terrence davis staring down the the basket on your dunk and you botch it like how? Two goals in two games against Jonathan Quick and Martin Jones puts them in the position they're in. Uh, I don't really know how much we have to go into the forwards, but I feel like we need to talk about the tweaks to the lineup a little bit. Yeah. It was Pierre Engvall that started with Tavares and Nylander, and they looked great off the bat. I don't think Engvall was particularly... Like, he wasn't the driver of it, but he still looked good. But he still looked fine. But he got a quick hook, and it seemed like Dennis Malgan took over for the second half of the game. Okay, we now need to, we need to talk about Dennis Malgan. Dennis Malgan, the, here's the thing about that decision. Dennis Malgan has been good and might only be good in one spot in the lineup at all, and that's second-line wing. He's the new Jeremy because Bracco. Because if he's playing, that's a perfect uh, comparison, I think. Thank you. Because he's not, like, that, that's the only, if he's not playing with good players, he cannot help. So if he's on the third or fourth line, he's like completely invisible. Then he steps up with those two, and while it wasn't like without error, I think he made some mistakes. He had chances, and he could have converted those chances if he just if maybe the touch was there or, or whatever. If he was a little bit more, if he had a little bit more patience, especially when he's circling the net. Okay. He had a wide open net yeah. when he was circling the net, but he shot it. He didn't even shoot it at the net. He just tried to bank it off someone. Yeah. If he had two another second, he could have had an open net uh, to shoot at there. Um, I like how you like, brought that up on your own because I had it in the notes. I was going to goad you into it, but I had it in the notes. Like, it's you? not going to... Look, it's Dennis Mulligan opting not to shoot with an open lane to the net is not going to make Cuth happy. Wow. Well, you know me already. Boom. Um, 
but like that's just, I mean it's fine I guess that's fine if he's your 13th forward and he can step up into that into that like you have a guy who can look like reasonably um comfortable like in that role yeah but that just it just shows the limitations in his game that he can't do it unless he's with two brilliant yeah. players like Dennis Mulligan is a good it's a is a fine kind of top six guy in a pinch and the Leafs are in a pinch right now I would say losing all these players has put them in a pinch but like I just this this player is is confounding and I feel like the Leafs I don't know if it's just because we're so inside baseball on this team now, like that we're losing the force and the trees, but does it not seem like the Leafs have so many of these just like confounding players on their roster? Like guys who either need, who like aren't quite good enough to play in the top six, but like don't really seem very good in the, in the bottom six or guys who are super skilled and yet cannot play in the top six or these guys who are good at one thing and yet like completely disappear on the, like it just seems like there are that when you, when it comes to hockey players, the Leafs, there's always a caveat. There's always an asterisk with a lot of these sort of middle middle class guys and Leafs, these depth guys with the Leafs. I think it's probably because we're getting to the point where the depth is being exposed. I mean, that's yeah. probably the simple answer to that. But that's what we thought. Like this, this has really been an eye opening thing for me personally, at least, because at the start of the season, like the biggest thing, the, what what's been the dominant um, narrative with the Leafs for ever since they've been in this contention window? It's they have so much depth up front. They should trade some of that depth to address their blue line. And now we're realizing they really don't have that much depth up front. No. Like they, you know, they they really don't have the ability to just go out. Like they, the trade deadline came and take the narrative out of it. Like, I don't think you could have afforded to trade a guy like Kerfoot. Think about what this team would be like without Kerfoot. No, I mean, they got two guys. They got two easy top nine forwards on the shelf Andreas Janssen and Ilya Mikheyev and those guys when they come back or one of them is going to come back this year but if in a perfect world if both of them were back I'm like we're, you're not having these problems because mm-hmm. everyone gets knocked down in their slots um, but only one of them is going to come back and if you traded one off the roster then you're in the position you are now where you're probably overextending I don't want to see Pierre Engvall because I thought he was pretty good tonight and didn't deserve the demotion. But, but like you're putting Malgan in that situation. You're you're blending the thirds and fourth lines in a way that is sort of stunting their ability to be effective, I believe at least. You're like keeping Gauthier in the lineup. That's the biggest You're keeping Gauthier in the lineup. But Gauthier's staying over – like there's still like the chain reaction doesn't even affect him yet, right? So Jason Spezza – I mean, I thought he just didn't have a chance to be effective tonight because no. of who he was playing with. No, and and think about how many nights recently that we've talked about that. How Jason Spezza exactly. has had been forced to drive a line, and he's not a driver right now. He's best used as a weapon on your fourth line that makes other teams go, oh, man, I got to face this guy after facing this three-headed monster of these three lines. And then on the second power play unit, he can chip in there too. But even then, I would have liked to see him on that third line instead of Kyle Clifford tonight. While Kyle Clifford was one of the one of the guys who did sort of uh, at least be like a minor bright spot for mm-hmm. them. Uh, I still think he can do that in the fourth line function, like yeah. with fourth line minutes, those two extra minutes or whatever. I don't think it really makes much difference. I think he can be effective from the fourth line. I don't think anyone else on the Leafs unless optimized with Clifford. Like I still think Clifford Gauthier Spezza could work, but unless those three are together on the fourth line, I don't think Spezza and Gauthier can do like, I don't think, Spezza can be effective without Clifford on the fourth line is what I'm trying to say. Really? You think on like, the fourth you think line. like, oh yeah, okay. No, like yeah. The fourth line has to be optimized for it to work. And then I think Spezza, should, if not, Spezza should play higher in the lineup as compared to a 
Clifford. Yeah, I want Clifford and Spezza together. Like, I, I, I think it just makes sense. Like, I th- think well, it works perfectly. A Clifford and Spe- like Clifford and Spezza, and then add whoever you want on that other wing. Like, a f- that that as a fourth line is great. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, think about you just faced lines that were anchored by Matthews Tavares, Nylander, um, or sorry, Matthews Marner, Nylander Tavares, and then I guess like Kapanen and Kerfoot, and uh, in a perfect world again, Mikheyev or something like so- mm-hmm. so- something like that. Those are those are really tough minutes. So then you send your fourth line out there, and they they're staring down the barrel of Jason Spezza and Kyle Clifford, and add other player here probably Mulligan. Hurt you in two ways: physicality and talent. Yes, and and it's like it's it's an annoyance thing. And think about that in a playoff series, where you know the the margins are so small, every game matters so much. You really don't want to be going in seven straight games just thinking, oh man, I got to face this freaking fourth line. Like, every time I go out there, oh, geez, it just never ends with these guys. That's what the Leafs' best sort of ability should be. It's just this never-ending cascade of bodies that they just throw at you up front, and you're like, damn it, like, there's just so many, I can't do anything. And for that reason, I think Pierre Engvall's a tremendously important guy for the Leafs to get right. Like, they gave him, after burying him on the fourth line for the last few games, they gave him the opportunity to play higher in the lineup, and he played pretty well. And then they just Immediately, he was stripped of that opportunity. I think he belongs on the third line. Let's find a combination that works on the third line. We haven't seen Engvall, Kapanen, Kerfoot in a while. I think that makes the most sense. And it makes the most sense from a fourth line perspective as well. Because you'd have Goat, Spezza, and Clifford together. Yes. So, I mean, like, we keep we keep going back to our preferred lineup every every episode because Keith hasn't landed on our preferred yes, lineup, yeah. I guess. He's not listening to but us. But, like, I, I just I, I just don't understand. I, I, Pierre Engvall's very important to this if Mikheyev and Janssen aren't around. And Janssen's not going to be around. Mikheyev may or may not be around. So getting Engvall right, getting Engvall to be the contributor he was a month ago, I think is critical for this team. Let's move on to the last two little segments here. For sure. So you you uh, you tee the seat fillers one up for me. Okay, sounds good. Well, just on the broadcast, they were talking about um, how a lot of these players that we're seeing right now, they're they're quote unquote seat fillers, guys who are kind of like tending tending the fort until better quote unquote better because CC's involved in this equation, but better guys come back. And so I, I the the group that I have together at least and is Sandin, Mulligan, Lilligren, Marinchin, Engvall to an extent, and then Rosen. And this is really this is a really interesting stretch in the season for the Leafs because we get to see a lot of these guys play bigger minutes and bigger roles and opportunities than we'd ever see them, and now we get to kind of evaluate them. And it's a, it's hinting towards kind of where they at where they're at right now and where they can be at in the future. So I want I I was thinking maybe we could just quickly dip into who's looked good, who's looked bad, what that says about their their right now, what that says about their future, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think? Okay, so we've touched on a few of these names. Again, Sandine, Malgin, Liljegren, Marincin, Engvall, Rosen. Now, Engvall's the one out of those six that stands out to me because I yeah. think he has established himself as a regular. He signed a two-year one point, or I guess it would be 2.5 million dollars right? yeah. uh, total. Again, w- what I just said, though, is I think they need to get him in a position where he can be a contributor and stick to it to a certain degree. Uh, I think he's done a, a tremendous job in a seat filler role this year. I think yeah. he's graduated from seat filler. So uh, just, it, it, I guess maybe he's lost his seat recently. I don't know if he, ha- like I just included him in here because he's part of that sort of like mishmash right now where he's getting bumped up and down and he's, you know, it doesn't seem like they've really found a set spot for him in the lineup right now. Like I think a lot of these other guys kind of have set spots, whether, yeah. and right now it seems like 
Engvall's kind of a rover. Like, we don't know if he's going to be in the top six or on the fourth line any given night. Now, I tend to agree with you with Liljegren. I don't think he belongs. I think he's got to get back down to the Marlies and, and play some big minutes and not play minutes with the Maple Leafs. That leaves Rosen and Sandine and Marinchin on the back end. I think Marinchin, you know exactly what he is. He's the seventh or eighth defenseman on a team that has aspirations of winning. Best job in the we'll NHL. Say. We've talked about so it. So that's probably where he's be- belongs. But I will say he's done a tremendous job over the last couple games just doing doing what is within his capabilities. Just not handing the game away. And obviously having a huge yeah. moment against the, the Vancouver Canucks. Sandine, I think, is the key one to their success right now. I think if they do get one more body back, if it's just Morgan Riley, I know both of them are supposed to come back. But if Morgan Riley comes back, Sandine, I think, has a chance to just once again find that role that's best suited for him. It just takes a little bit of the pressure off. I think Sandine and Barry in a sheltered third pairing could be really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, get, you're getting a re- you're you're protecting two guys who for different reasons have been exposed of late. Maybe a little less Barry. I think he's been pretty solid. Um, but two guys you can put in sheltered minutes. Keep the pressure off them a little bit. Sandine can be really effective from a puck-moving standpoint if he's not worried about getting bullied in front of his own net. Tyson Berry the same way. Obviously, we know what he's what he, well, what he he does on the power play. That's a, a subject to debate a little bit on his effectiveness there. But he is a talent from an offensive perspective. And if he has time to let it shine, he should allow it to, to shine. So I think those two work there. And that leaves, oh, the other two are already knocked out of the lineup. And Malgin in a perfect world is not playing. I mean, if you have Ely Mikheyev, Malgin's not in the lineup. There's a case to have Malgin not in the lineup at all if only one role works for him. Yeah. Uh, but maybe he has earned another start, at least with those two guys, because, like I said, Nylander was the best player on the ice. Tavares was pretty good, and they didn't seem to be stunted by the presence of Malgin. So maybe that's where I stand on all those guys right now. Anything pop out? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss to you you know what what has sort of like crossed my mind is that a lot of the guys we've said have been struggling or been dipping in in this middle class specifically sandin lilligren and engval it comes back down to the whole scheduling thing like they haven't had they've they've never grinded like this in their professional careers the ahl is different like they play mainly on weekends you don't have these sets of you know, you're playing every other night for a straight month, which they did in February. You don't have that getting just worn down over the over over just the malaise of a season um, or the dog days of a season. And that's what I think they're dealing with right now, specifically Sandin. Like he he was even, as we said, injured uh, midway through 
uh, the season last year when they were when it was like the, the slog of the AHL schedule. And Engvall's never had this too, and I think that it's not a and, and Rosen even specifically he hasn't played a lot lately, but like he hasn't experienced this as well. Like I think there's a lot of these players who've never experienced what it's like to play 17 games in 30 days, and we're seeing that. Like Sandin is a good player. He when he came into the lineup, and although he was playing on the third line, he looked much more adequate than he does right now. He was handling. He looked more. Uh, like just calm under pressure. He looked more poised. He was moving with more confidence. And as you get worn down over the schedule, you just stop with that attention to detail. You stop, you know, think you, you just let the muscle memory take over. And sometimes you can make mistakes that way. And I think we're seeing a lot of that with these guys where they just, they're not used to it and, and they're breaking down. That's affecting their performance. Sandin is going to be a fantastic NHL defenseman. I like, I, I would buy sand if you haven't already, I would buy Sandin stock right now. I also think Lilligren's going to be a fantastic NHL defenseman. He's shown in flashes that he can be a very good, probably his ceiling's like a number three maybe, being very good puck-moving guy who can play some defense, who can give you some offensive pop, who's got a better shot than you know maybe some people think, who is good on his feet, who if he refines it a little bit, he can make great plays in transition. But that's just not it right now. And I think we're seeing that with, with a lot of these guys where – we, we all got ahead of ourselves, and we all said, oh, Sandin can play in the top four right now. Oh, Sandin's Sandin, slam dunk. I think we're, 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 we're having realities coming in to say pump your brakes a little bit. I think we need to pump our brakes a little bit on these guys, which doesn't mean they're not going to be good, which doesn't mean they're off track at all. It just means that we thought that I think we got a little bit ahead of ourselves. And it doesn't mean that they can't have a meaningful impact on the rest of the season. I think if put in the right situation, Sandine and Engvall could have oh, yeah. a significant or could play a significant role down the stretch. The other four we mentioned, likely not. Um, but there are reinforcements on the way. Uh, on the on the defense side, a little sooner than than the, uh, the forward aspect. Um, but... It, like this is probably a good test for them. They're playing a little bit beyond their capabilities, a little learning, uh, and then get knocked back down to where you should be. And, and hopefully you can thrive there. Uh, the last segment we're going to get to, uh, Shanahan impromptu press yeah, conference. What today. was up with that? Well, I guess Dubas was in Florida. So maybe Shanahan is there for that reason. He might be there all the time. But, anyway. But why is he speaking at all? I guess he had something to say. So I feel like hmm. it's our responsibility to glean what might have been the important information from it. And because, uh, you know, you like to say time is a flat circle, this podcast is a flat circle, and we're going to start construct. <laughs> start and end with takeaways. So what would your takeaway, a lot of, wide range of topics obviously discussed from him, but what stood out uh, based on what the president decided to say without, uh, you know, being requested at all? I think he was he was uh, doing a little preemptive relax. I think that was mainly his his. Remember in, in an NFL season where I think the the Packers started off like zero and three or something, and Aaron Rodgers came out and he was just like R E L A X, relax. Yep. And then they ended up going on to win like fourteen straight games or something. I think this is what Shanahan's hoping to do here. There's been he there's no way he hasn't seen the fervor surrounding the team. He watched the David Ayers incident. He watched all this kind of stuff happen. He's seen the ups and downs, and he commented on the ups and downs of, of, of the effort level from the team and of the results. I think he came out and he just wanted to remind everyone that, A, we're all on the same page. That was the biggest thing I think that he said. He said, it's uh, my, my thoughts on Sheldon Keefe are the same as when he, was, when he was introduced here. It's such a luxury to have a front office from myself down through Sheldon and all our coaching staff that are all aligned. And I think that he's seen some of the conversation where it's going – 
oh man, like a lot of these swings and misses from the GM or the management or from this or from that, uh, you know, they haven't worked out. And I think he came out and he went and he said, no, we are all on the same page. We're going to live by our own sword. We're going to live by one collective sword. We're going to die by one collective sword. This is not anyone going rogue. We're, we're doing fine. I think he just wanted to come out and, and kind of not explicitly, but just kind of reiterate like the season is going to be crazy. He made a point of saying, you know, when you're a good team, when you're fighting for Stanley Cup, it's going to be a chaotic. It's going to be up and down. It's going to be a roller coaster. So kind of ride it out with us. I kind of take a little bit of a different. I mean, there was a lot of different things. So like he's trying to get different messages out. But the one thing that stood out to me was like he was sort of alluding to it not being the end of the world. And this is a process. And like if things don't go well, that's generally okay. Mm-hmm. But the other, like he was saying, it was like he was talking out of the other side of his mouth or whatever, because I almost think that he was doing that as a motivational. Yeah. Like he was sort of contradicting himself. So it was like, it was like he was saying, it's not the end of the world, but it sort of is if you guys, because he's like, but the window's open now. Like he kept going kind of back and forth yeah, a little bit wishy-washy on what he was trying to say. So I almost think he was trying to remind them without like in sort of a passive aggressive way that this is an important season. Mm-hmm. So get it together. That's sort of what I got from it a little bit. Uh, obviously, neither of us were there, so we didn't completely get the entire sort of uh, uh, all the inferences, I guess, he was maybe or may or may not have been trying to make. But uh, it seemed interesting to me that he was sort of going one way and then the other when he was talking about that. And it sort of reflects, I think, the urgency that is right now that he felt the need yeah. to go out and say that because he doesn't talk... Um, he doesn't have to talk so he doesn't talk unless he wants to and i think uh he didn't just you know walk by whistling and say you know what yeah sure why not he didn't pull a magic johnson he, he uh emerged from he emerged from wherever he was uh because he wanted to say something and i think he wanted to motivate the guys a little bit yeah he was saying like you know if we don't win it's fine trust the process uh, but it would be really nice to win but we probably should win but we year. should we should definitely win that's though. exactly what exactly yeah, what it seemed like yeah that when, the more you put it that way the more it's just like yeah he was kind of saying <laughs> yeah he was kind of given given sort of like chill vibes then kind of being like but you better not mess this up you better not screw this up man <laughs> like it's gonna be fine like it, it'll be great like i you know it, like we trust the process where we we don't take small samples better make the playoffs though Exactly. Yeah. Um, I was really interested how he just made certain comments on specific players. Like I was really like he singled out Matthews as like a future Selkie candidate right. for like no reason. Another partly maybe motivational thing. I mean, we. I heard think Mike that Babcock was definitely that. motivational. Like Austin, you can be that guy. Yeah, you this can, was you can be that guy, right? This was him, and Matthews has been fantastic over the last like forty games or something. But this is definitely like he's Matthews in terms of his two way game has taken up a notch the last little bit. And this is definitely Shanahan seeing that and going to the media and being like, "Hey, you yeah. can be this if it's, you want it's to." Just po- it's not even like you can be that guy, so be it. It's positive. Re- we're seeing it. It's positive re- reinforcement. Just keep it I've, up. I've been seeing that you've been that guy, and I notice it, and I know you can keep doing it. And that's the guy you have to be to be the most dominant player. That's the guy you have to be to win Selkie trophies and lead the league in scoring. And if you're doing that, you're a Hart Trophy winner. And it's also, now I'm on record saying this, so you know that I've always believed in you. So you can't you go. go back on anything if you don't hit this ceiling. And the Kapanen one, too, was really interesting. He's like, I think that Kerfoot has elevated Kapanen's game specifically. Clifford? Or yeah, Ker- or sorry, Clifford, Clifford is, not Kerfoot. Kerfoot hasn't elevated anyone's game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like that Kyle Clifford has elevated specifically Casper Kapanen's game, which is really interesting. I and mean, I think so. I think we, we sort of discussed that before as well, that like, well, ever since Clifford arrived, he's been 
a bit of a pest. But it's it, like it's funny that we kind of put two and two together just in a narrative sense. It's like, oh, Clifford fights, and then Kapanen started fighting. Like maybe they've not like it's not like they they hang out all the time. It's not like we've you know like Campbell came out and said, yo, I've hung out with Anderson and Matthews like every single day since I've been here. Like mm-hmm. there hasn't been a narrative like that, and yet. It's just because one guy fights and another guy starts fighting. We think, oh man, well they have they've had to be, you know, UFC training together. But then Shannon comes out and says, I think specifically, Kyle Clifford has elevated Casper Kapanen's game. We go, oh, so there's some truth to this. Okay. I, I don't know if it's Clifford related, but I do think Kapanen has experienced an epiphany or something, like seeing the light of sorts. Because before the Vancouver game, he just said unprompted because he's been asked about fighting that he's like, I know I'm never going to be the leading scorer. And he doesn't say generally things like that. He just says mm-hmm. he wants to chip in. Then two minutes later in the Spezza scrum, he's Spezza's like, well, Kapanen's recently realized that he's never going to be that player and he has to be a certain way yeah. to be effective. So it's like, okay, this is clearly a discussion Definitely. In, around the Leafs. Spez is saying it. He's saying it. Shanahan's coming out and saying it. It coincides with Clifford coming in. Like it kind of maybe Clifford did have a discussion maybe they had a team discussion whatever it just seems like Casper Kapanen has recognized something in his game and it frankly it's led to improved performance I have a very hot take to I guess end off this segment let's close it with your hot take so Shanahan made a specific note of saying that you know we we're wanting to add I think he said I think it's best if we add more leaders and Stanley Cup winners to this team to really help them show what it takes to win okay Alex Petrangelo is a free agent in the summer. If the cap is $88.2 million, like it has been projected, Leafs will have enough money to sign him. 82? No. 88. 88, that's what I meant. 88.2, which I think was the the upper projection. Leafs have enough money to sign him, and he has won a Stanley Cup, and he is a right-shot defenseman. There would be worse ways to spend money uh, if you're going like eight years. Yeah. Maybe less worse ways, I guess. If you go in eight years, it's a little. Or I little, guess it would have to be seven years. Oh yeah, um, seven. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I mean, certainly Alex Petrangelo would help the Maple Leafs in their current situation. He's exactly what they're missing. He's literally like to a T. There would missing. be some considerable risk with signing a player uh, of his age to a long-term deal, big, big money, as it would require. Uh, it would require a ridiculous amount of money, probably just to prime out of St. Louis. He's the captain there. He has roots. Uh, sort of dug deep into the ground with that organization. Um, but you were 100% right. And if he's alluding to that, maybe he is. I don't think he's actually alluding to that, but I thought, ah, uh, there's like, this is interesting that he said specifically we want to add more former Stanley Cup winners and a pretty marquee one who is literally to a T exactly what they need is out there on the open a, market. Maybe he knows something and he's hinting towards Tampering, a summer storyline. Well, he didn't say the name, so no, he's good. Uh, but I hope we could discuss the possibility of, I hope he doesn't sign anything so we can uh, debate the future of him because that'll be a fun summer topic. Mm-hmm. And we are always in need of fun summer topics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, feels like summer in Anaheim. That's where the Leafs will be today. See, now it's confusing. You got it. We're going back and forth. Uh, but we're going to have one more show following the final stop of the California road trip. Uh, the Leafs, you know, one point out of a potential four so far. So it's pretty important that they get a result against the Anaheim Ducks on Friday night. We'll talk to you after the game. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.